You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? It's your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. We are back with another episode of Locked On Ravens, and we're going to make this a fantasy day, a fantasy Thursday. Fantasy drafts are coming up. Some people might have already completed their fantasy drafts, but today I really want to get into kind of a league-wide breakdown because a few days ago I did get into the Ravens fantasy spots where people should go, who's a sleeper, who might not do well. So I kind of want to do the same thing, just really a whole league breakdown. So we're going to have a segment that's going to be looking at stud players, who you should take, where they should go. We're going to look at some busts, and then we're going to look at some sleepers. This is going to be really fun for me. I love fantasy. Once again, this is going to be my last call on this, the Lockdown Ravens second fantasy league. We almost have enough people, but I just wanted to make sure that everybody listening got the opportunity, again, to message me on Twitter if they're interested. We're almost filled up, so be sure to jump on that. I will respond to you, and right now, if you message me, you will most likely have a spot in the league, so get on that, but that'll be the last time I'll mention it because we'll probably be filled up by tomorrow, so that's that. So again, I'm Kevin Ostriker, and this is your Locked on Ravens lead story. We're going to start off with these studs. Talking about who should go first overall, ESPN has Saquon Barkley ranked as the first overall player right in front of Alvin Kamara, and I actually think that these two players should be flip-flopped. I think that Alvin Kamara, while Saquon Barkley had a great year, Alvin Kamara actually provides more value, especially while the Saints lost Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram came to Baltimore to really find more touches, and while Ingram will still be probably in some type of committee with the Ravens, I think that with Kamara getting the sole share of touches in New Orleans, for the most part, Latavius Murray was signed in the offseason to kind of lessen Kamara's workload, keep him fresh. I believe that Kamara's really going to have a great season just because of the fact that Ingram is no longer there to really steal his touches. So in 2018, Kamara had 194 rushes for 800. 83 yards and a whopping 14 touchdowns that shakes out to a 4.6 yards per carry average he also had 81 receptions for 709 yards and an extra four touchdowns so he is a threat both in the run game and the pass game he also can return kicks they really alternate that between Taysom Hill and Kamara but I think the Kamara is a guy who you have to take first overall in every single league Yahoo Fantasy also agrees with me. Matt Harmon says that Kamara should be the number one pick in drafts just because of the dual threat ability that he has. And Drew Brees' pass attempts have gone down in three straight seasons. The Saints are really turning to Kamara to be a guy that can really carry their offense. Brees is getting older, and while the league is pass-oriented, Kamara can do damage in the run game and the pass game. There aren't really a lot of viable receiving weapons in New Orleans beyond Kamara. There's Michael Thomas. There's Jared Cook. Rather than that, you're not really looking at a bunch of players who can really impact the game. So most of the touches will probably be going between those three players. And while Michael Thomas will take a lot of targets away from Kamara, that's not Kamara's main job. Kamara's job is to be a running back with the ability to receive out of the backfield. And that's exactly what he does, and he does it very well. He really might get to the end zone 20 times this season. I believe that Kamara is going to be the best player in fantasy. I'd clock him in to have about 1,100 yards rushing, probably another 600 through the air, and probably around 18 to 20 total touchdowns. So I would take Kamara over Barkley, over Christian McCaffrey. Not to say those guys aren't great players, obviously. If you have the opportunity to take either one of those guys, you're doing it. But 
I think the Camaro is really going to be the top pick in this draft, really win some fantasy players some games this year. Looking over ESPN's top 300 list for overall players in non-PPR that Mike Clay made, of course I just mentioned Saquon Barkley is number one, followed by Kamara, then Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott's number four, but he really is a wild card. When you're looking at these holdout guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, it's really tough to gauge where you should take them. Even throw Antonio Brown in that mix if you really want to, although I do expect him to play in week one. And Brown is a guy who you can't really put in the category of Elliott and Gordon just because he's not holding out. But I think that overall, if you have a chance to draft Elliott, have a chance to draft Gordon, I really wouldn't put Elliott at four at this point. I'd really put him as a second or third round guy because if you can get value with an Ezekiel Elliott, maybe he only misses one game, maybe he only misses three games. If Elliott is that good of a player and that dynamic of a player where if you can snag him in round three or round four, I'd probably be doing it. We saw him with his suspension a few years ago where he was getting taken in the second round and still provided great value for people. Gordon, on the other hand, is rated as the 31st best player on Mike Clay's list. So I would probably take Gordon in the 6th or 7th round at this point because his holdout most likely will extend into the regular season. And if you waste a 3rd or 4th round pick on a guy who's not helping you right away and isn't at the talent level of an Ezekiel Elliott, then you're not really helping yourself out. I'd take Gordon in the 6th or 7th round. These holdout guys are guys who watch just because if you can get them at the right spot, their value is immense. So just be on the lookout. Put them down your draft board a bit, but don't discount them out. Guys who I like who are studs who people might not be as high on. I like Leonard Fournette this year. I think he had a very down year last season. Injuries really derailed his season. The Jaguars offense didn't perform. I think that he bounces back in a big way with Nick Foles under center. Be sure to look for him really in the third, fourth rounds, maybe even low second round. I also think that Dalvin Cook will come back and have a great year. Nick Chubb will build on his season last year. I'm high on Devonta Freeman, especially without Tevin Coleman there to steal touches from him. Derrick Henry's a guy who I'm not in love with, but I also think he would be a solid piece to pick. T.Y. Hilton, the Sam, the same way with him. Brandon Cooks, I think, is going to have a good year with the Rams. Edelman is always a guy who's going to get you points because of that Brady to Edelman connection. Devontae Adams is a guy who is the ninth best receiver even before Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. I think that I'd rank Devontae Adams a little bit lower than Beckham and Jones. I'd probably have Devontae right in my 17 range, probably right behind Joe Mixon. I think that Odell, Julio, Tyreek, and Juju Smith-Schuster at this point are all better than him. So I'd look for those guys because Rodgers has an injury history now. Adams has been hurt a few times too. Adams will probably be seeing a lot of double teams because the Packers don't have receivers outside of him. They lost Randall Cobb. They lost Jordy Nelson last year. They don't have a lot of proven pieces outside of Adams and Jimmy Graham. So just look out for Devonta Adams to maybe not have as big a year as the pundits like is a stud player. I think Hopkins balls out. I think Michael Thomas balls out. Le'Veon Bell, I think, will have a good year coming back from his holdout. Look for David Johnson as a player who, if he's available at six, you absolutely have to snag him. James Conner, I think that he has a little bit of a down year, not a super down year, but I don't think he repeats the success that he had in 2018. So that's who out of the studs who I think will have a good year, who I think won't have as good of a year. We're going to break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about some sleepers and deep sleepers that we all need to put on our fantasy list because they can really win games and carry you to a championship. But before we do that, 
It's a new season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed is where people are putting their money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting their first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of a huge cash prize pool. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win every time. We have an up to $1,000 first deposit bonus to double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim the bonuses. Bet, win, and get paid. Welcome back, everybody. We just talked about those stud players who you need to get on your roster early. But some players who you need to get on your roster later in the draft are what we consider sleepers, players who might not be well-known now, but as the draft wears on and you're looking for depth pieces, you can really pick some guys who later in the game and later in the season will make sure that you win games. So talking about some sleepers that I really like, I like John Brown. Ravens fans, we are familiar with John Brown. He came to the team on a one-year deal in 2018, ended up being the team's best receiver, posting 42 receptions on 97 targets, 715 yards receiving, and five touchdowns. Obviously, those stats really declined after Lamar Jackson took over center. The Ravens switched their offense, and John Brown wasn't a player who really fit that scheme being a deep threat where Lamar Jackson couldn't really throw the deep ball. I think with Brown going to the Buffalo Bills on a three-year deal, that's a much, much better fit for him because you have the gunslinger in Josh Allen. You have a great run game, which the Ravens had also, but you have a great run game with LaShawn McCoy. The team brought in Frank Gore in the offseason, but... The Bills had to revamp their receiver room as well. They have Zay Jones, who hasn't really shown much out of East Carolina, but you're looking at John Brown and new addition Cole Beasley to really be the target getters in that offense. I think that John Brown has a great season just because Josh Allen can throw that ball deep. He can sling it. John Brown, as we saw last year, can stretch the field, make defenses pay for doubling another receiver. And with Cole Beasley being the pesky slot receiver that he is, we talked about the importance of the slot position yesterday, but with Cole Beasley being that pesky guy, John Brown might not get double teams. And thus, he might be game-breaking in the way that he can go deep, he can catch that ball. He can also run slants well, he can run outs. He's a guy who can be a possession guy when called upon. He can make those tough contested catches, defenders in his face. The Ravens loved that last year. He really showed out against the Steelers. He had a good game against the Bengals, and the Bills are just looking for that kind of production. So I'm excited for John Brown. I'd take him probably anywhere between the 8th and 12th rounds. I know that's a pretty big range, but... If John Brown can really show that he's a game-breaker and he can stretch the field, I think that he has wide receiver three potential. Another guy who I really like is Sony Michelle. The Patriots' second-year running back is rated as the 35th best non-PPR player by Mike Clay. I think that he could even go a bit higher than that, maybe above an Aaron Jones or a Chris Carson, just because he's improved his pass catching in the offseason. Bill Belichick said he's been enamored with what he's seen out of Michelle in terms of his pass catching abilities. And Michelle did great last year. He had a knee injury that cost him a few games, but in the 13 he did play in, he had 209 rushes for 931 yards and six touchdowns. That's four and a half yards per carry. He only had seven receptions last year, but like I said, Belichick has 
been working with Michelle to improve him as a pass catcher. So now they're going to be deploying him out of the backfield. And Michelle's a shifty guy. He's a fast guy, but he's almost reminds me of Justice Hill. Maybe Justice Hill reminds me of Sonny Michelle, but they both churn their legs. They're both deceptively powerful runners. I'd take Michelle as a high-end running back two with potential to be a running back one if the touches are there for him. Patriots offense, as we all know, is a machine. I think that Michelle has a great year, and with that offense being a machine, the Patriots are up 25-12 to 12 against the Dolphins with eight minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. They're going to be looking to run that clock out, and they're going to do that with Michelle because he's their best running back on the roster right now, and he's going to be a guy who is a dynamic playmaker for them. So I'd take Michelle in the fourth round right now, definitely in the fifth if he slides that far. Make Michelle a priority. I think he'll win you a fantasy league, especially if he does show in the regular season that his pass catching really came to life and he developed that part of his game. Let's talk about another former Raven, one that Ravens fans might have forgotten about. Remember Darren Waller? The Raiders love him. The Raiders think that he has been their most impressive player in the offseason. He had an injury that sidelined him for a bit this offseason, but in OTAs and minicamp and in the training camp that he's been a part of, the Raiders cannot stop talking about this guy. The Ravens cut him last season and the Raiders claimed him on waivers. He didn't really do much for them last season, only catching six balls for 75 yards, but Waller looks bigger, he looks faster, he looks more dynamic, and so if you're looking for a backup tight end, I know some people don't draft those backup tight ends, they just wait for their star tight ends by week. If you have a Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, a little Ravens plug there, and you're looking for a backup tight end, I suggest taking a flyer on Darren Waller later in the draft. Maybe third to last round, second to last round, because the Raiders are going to use him a lot. Jared Cook left for the Saints in the offseason, so it's going to be exciting to see how the Raiders use him. I'm hoping Waller the best. I know that he was liked among the Ravens organization. He just had a lot of suspensions, a lot of injuries, and his time in Baltimore was up, so Waller's a guy that I really, really like. Also, I think Sam Darnold could have a good year. He has a lot of players around him now. Jamison Crowder, Chris Herndon, who has a four-game suspension, is their starting tight end. I think that with Robbie Anderson's emergence and Le'Veon Bell signing, who we all know is a threat out of the backfield, I think that Sam Darnold can have a great year. Also, I think Lamar Jackson is a huge sleeper, obviously. Um, I talked about him a lot in our Ravens fantasy breakdown, but... If you have a chance to get Lamar Jackson as the 10th or 12th best quarterback, I would take him. Probably 7th to 9th round. Uh, if you need a low-end starting quarterback, high-end QB2, Lamar Jackson is your guy. So when we get back, we've gone through the studs, we've gone through the sleepers, but there are some busts. Every year there are some busts that disappoint, so we're going to get into players who you might want to stay away from, who have some red flags. Before we get into that, let's talk about Lockdown Fantasy Football because we are talking about fantasy football right now. Fantasy football players, make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer and Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everybody else, then you're just the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome back, everybody. Talked about the studs, talked about the sleepers, but with the good does come the bad. We all had that one fantasy player who really didn't live up to our expectations. Maybe we drafted a guy high, didn't do well, got injured. Maybe we were high on a sleeper. They didn't perform to our expectations. We're just going to get into a few guys here who I think might not be as advertised. Starting off with Carrion Johnson of the Lions. Carrion Johnson 
did have a good year last year. He ended up carrying the ball 118 times to 641 yards and three touchdowns in only 10 games before a knee injury cut his year short. But there are some red flags with Johnson. First of all, the Lions offense in general just hasn't been very good the last few years, and I don't really expect that to change, especially with them trading Golden Tate to the Eagles last year. They brought in C.J. Anderson, and they also drafted rookie Ty Johnson and have a potential short yardage specialist in Mark Thompson, former Raven, also in the mix. So it's going to be interesting to see what percentage of the carries on Johnson does get. I don't think that Johnson is going to be as solid as people have him. I'm not saying Johnson's going to be a bad fantasy player, but right now in Mike Clay's rankings, he's rated as the 23rd best non-PPR player ahead of players like Devonta Freeman, Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry, even Keenan Allen. So I don't think his average draft position, or ADP for short, is going to be worth it. You can get a better player at 23 if you have to choose between Carrion Johnson or Devonta Freeman, who's going to get the lion's share of the carries. Carrion Johnson or Leonard Fournette, who's going to get the lion's share of the carries. My whole thing is I'd rather have a player who is guaranteed touches and doesn't do anything with them over a player who doesn't get guaranteed touches. Because I know that week in and week out, I'm going to get at least 20 carries out of a guy, whereas for Carrion Johnson, maybe he's only getting 15, then the Lions are down 30 to nothing, and Matthew Stafford has to air the ball out, or they just take their starters out of the game for the most part, and then Johnson finishes the game with eight carries for 30 yards. So I'd rather have a player like Freeman. Not to say Carrion Johnson isn't a good player. I just don't have him as an RB1. I, I have him as a mid-tier RB2 right now. I'd probably take him anywhere between the 6th and the 8th rounds. Not to say I'm not impressed with what he did last season and not to say that I think he's going to be bad. I just don't think that his average draft position is really doing fantasy players justice. Another guy who might be a bust based off their average draft position is Christian Kirk, the wide receiver from the Arizona Cardinals. He's being drafted right now as the 29th receiver off the board. That's about where round six, round seven comes into play. And I just don't see the value that Christian Kirk provides at round six. In an offense where Larry Fitzgerald is your number one and Kirk is your number two, you have an inexperienced quarterback in Kyler Murray. If you haven't been watching the Cardinals preseason games, their offensive line is very suspect. So if Kyler Murray doesn't have the ability to throw accurate balls to Christian Kirk because he's being chased out of the pocket every play, that's not a good sign. The Cardinals just signed Michael Crabtree, the former Raven, to take targets away as well. They also have rookie Andy Isabella, who was a great slot receiver out of UMass, and Christian Kirk usually plays in the slot. It'll be interesting to see what Kirk does this year. I don't think he's going to have a bad year just like Johnson. I just don't think I'm going to take him in the sixth round if he's available. I'd just take other wide receiver twos who are on better offenses at this point, and I'd take Kirk probably anywhere in the 8 to 10 range most. That's another guy that I don't really like where his average draft position is. Another guy who a lot of people are saying is going to be a bust, and I have to unfortunately agree, is Eric Ebron. The tight end from the Colts really had a career year last season. He had 14 touchdowns. That's just unheard of from a tight end to have 14 touchdowns, unless your name is Rob Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey. I just think Ebron doesn't put up that same production. The Colts brought in Devin Funches, who I also like a lot as a sleeper. I think that with the Colts offense, with Andrew Luck's injury that might be holding him back a bit, Jack Doyle is returning from an injury, and that's really what opened Ebron up to those targets. Doyle and Ebron were really splitting time at the tight end one, and with Doyle back. I just don't think Ebron gets the looks he got last year. That includes in the red zone because Devin Funches is a big red zone target. Paris Campbell, who they drafted out of Ohio State, 
is a very nice speedy guy who can stretch the field, take away some of those touchdowns from Ebron, and also Marlon Mack, who can be a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I just don't think Ebron's going to have the production he had last year just based off of the looks that I don't think he's going to get. Those are some guys who should be looking at taking really a bit lower than where they're projected. Not to say they're going to have bad years, but if you spend a high pick on them and they don't pan out, we all know the disappointment that comes with that. So maybe just be cautious with these guys, take them a little bit lower, take a risk, take them around later than you thought. That's all I have today. Tomorrow, we're going to recap the Ravens preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles. We previewed that yesterday. We're going to get into who did well, who didn't, and what that means for the roster. So stay tuned for that, and we will see you tomorrow.